Hey, well, we're in a great series, aren't we? Great questions, and those uh, kids did pretty well, I thought, so I'm hoping I might be able to do somewhat similarly. Um, the great question that uh, I got when we did the uh, survey earlier in the year was this one. How can I share Jesus with my non-heterosexual friend? So I'm going to dive right in and uh, we'll get started. Well, first of all, I'd ask permission. Permission for that person's attention and permission for that person's time. And, you know, I'd get ready beforehand. I'd read the Bible and I'd learn about God's rescue plan for all of us. I'd probably even do Alpha. Alpha's a fantastic course where you can have a lot of these principles um, reinforced and to learn how to um, talk about the challenging questions of life in a way that allows people to think things through. I'd even invite my friend to come along to Alpha with me. That'd be fantastic. I'd also know my own story of faith and be able to share some of those things. And I'd try to keep it simple. I'd offer a relationship with Jesus and peace with God rather than some kind of program. And I'd focus on things like um, the spiritual aspects of life, the fact that we all need forgiveness, that we all need to grow, that there's opportunity for new life in Jesus and opportunity for eternal life through Jesus. Maybe um, the conversation that I'd have with my non-heterosexual friend would be something like this. Well, thanks for giving me time and allowing me to share um, what's really the core purpose of my life. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping in sharing this that you'll get to know me a little bit better. And to be really honest, um, this means so much to me that um, I'm hoping it might ultimately become something that means a lot to you as well. I'm talking about my faith. I'm talking about my relationship with Jesus. And I'm so glad you're allowing me just a little bit of time to share this with you. The Bible describes God as incredibly loving of all the people in the world. And this is written in a section of the Bible in the new part what we call the New Testament, and there's a book there called John, and in that book, um, these words are written. John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Because God really wants us to be in a loving relationship with him, he didn't just create a whole bunch of robots when he created us. He created us with the ability to choose, with what we call free will, because he wants us to choose to love him back. That's what genuine love is all about. It's coming from a place of responding genuinely to somebody, not because you have to. All of us, including me, are prone to heading in our own direction and honestly not loving God back in the same way that he's loved us. 
the Bible describes this rejection of God's ways as a sin and a pathway that ultimately leads to death. And he calls on people to believe in Jesus and to gain eternal life. And I've found that faith and believing in Jesus brings meaning in my life, it brings joy to my life and peace. And I'm living my best life right now and also I've got this certain hope of eternal life um, with Jesus forever when I die. I'm so grateful you've given me time to uh, share with you today and to listen to what I've had to say. And I'm really hopeful, to be honest, that you might be willing to have a few more conversations about this or maybe even accept my invitation to come along to Alpha. So really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Okay, I'm just messing with you. You all thought you were going to get early lunch, didn't you? Yeah. No, nope, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. The word how is a really interesting word, isn't it? Because it makes us think. And the, t the question that was asked was, how can I share Jesus with my non heterosexual friend and I've just explained in a sense the how but there's much more behind the question isn't there you see in some ways faith in Jesus is incredibly simple it's just about believing that Jesus is the son of God that he died for us that he rose again and that he's paid the price for the things that I've done wrong that makes me right in God's eyes and acceptable to God and able to become a child of God. It's simple, but it's also hard, isn't it? I'm going to look at that a little bit more. Now, kind of bolt in for this next bit. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about culture and about one of the things that's affecting our culture today and it's quite subtle and we may not realise what's going on unless we think about it. And I'm going to talk to you about two concepts, relativism versus absolute truth. So hang in there, it's not going to get too tricky. We're far more influenced by our culture than we realise. And in fact, the rejection of a culture, of the idea of God in society leads ultimately to a sense of relativism. And we've probably heard or even thought things like this. For instance, um, Adam, your truth is true for you, and that's okay, you believe what you want to believe, but frankly, I believe what I'm going to believe, and that's going to be true for me. So we kind of get along okay, but um, it's okay for people to believe what they believe, and. I believe what I believe, thank you very much. And in many ways, this fits in with the Australian kind of identity, doesn't it? You know, a fair go for everybody. That's one of those things about Australia. We want to give a fair go to everybody. And it seems tolerant and it seems um, kind and 
appropriate, that people should be entitled to their own opinions. And if they believe something's true, well, that's okay for them. And I believe something's true, that's okay for me. And if somebody else believes something's true, that's okay for them. The problem with that kind of thinking is that it starts to pervade the way we um, talk about truth. The problem is it removes the idea that there is any sense of absolute truth in the world. And we see this being played out at the moment in the media. For example, it's no longer the case that reporters necessarily have to search out and have a sort of sense of moral obligation to report the facts of a situation. What's tending to happen is that many reporters, not all, but many are reporting opinion as if it was fact. And um, this makes kind of sense if you think about it, because if you swallow the idea that your truth is okay for you and my truth is okay for me, what you're really saying is that that truth is a fact for that person, and this truth over here is a fact for that person. So if I'm a reporter, why would I try too hard to try to figure out what's really true? In fact, it gets to the point where sometimes people promote things that they know are untrue as a fact, as a truth, in the media. Now, one philosopher observed that the flaw with relativism is that a person who believes in it can never be wrong. Now, this ultimately leads to a position where it's appropriate to take offence, particularly if somebody disagrees with you on a moral issue. Christians believe in absolute truth embodied in God and revealed to us in the Bible. The principles and values enshrined here are the way we were designed by um, God and they provide a way of living that's the best way of living for people. God acted in time and space by sending Jesus to rescue us from our opinions and our own way and reconcile us to our creator. In fact, um, Jesus says in John 14, 6, he's speaking about himself. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Well, that's one reason why it feels harder, why it is harder. The other thing is, frankly, we want to be liked. We're hardwired to fit into community. It's interesting, isn't it? Because God created us and the Bible teaches us that he created us in his image. And God is three persons in one the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three personalities in the Godhead. And he created his creation, us, to be in community with him, to join him in that wonderful eternal community that has always existed and will always exist. 
In fact, the Bible, um, one of my favourite bits in the Bible, talks about the fact that when we become Christians, God changes our status in his eyes. He actually makes us co-heirs with Christ of his kingdom, brothers and sisters of Jesus, to live with him in community for eternity. What an incredible idea. What an amazing God we have. But this hard wiring inside us that makes us long for community, this actually even has emotions attached to it. In fact, when people are separated from community and disconnected, we have a word to describe that emotion, don't we? It's called loneliness. And it's profoundly affecting large numbers of Australians today. It's no wonder with this kind of hard wiring that we like to be um, liked by others. But the problem is we can harm ourselves and we can harm others if we want to be so liked by others that it stops us telling the truth. And there's a passage in Ephesians 4:15 that helps us with this. And um, I'm going to actually start in on verse 14. It says this, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. The writer is talking about the fact that uh, he's, he's looking towards us becoming mature in our faith, no longer blown about here and there. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That's maturity in the church and maturity in our Christian lives. I was sort of debating about with myself a little bit about um, whether to share this with you, but in my reading in preparation for this um, message over the last um, few months, something's come up that I thought would be helpful to share with you. And um, these are actually the words of Pope Benedict XVI. And um, he spoke a lot about this passage in Ephesians that I've just read, about not being tossed around here and there. And um, he says these things, and I think they're quite profound and speak to the earlier stuff around relativism and absolute truth. So I just want to share it with you. How many winds of doctrine we have known in recent decades, he says. How many ideological currents, how many ways of thinking? The small boat of thought of many Christians has often been tossed about by these waves, thrown from one extreme to the other, from Marxism to liberalism, even to libertinism, from collectivism to radical individualism, from atheism to a vague religious mysticism, from agnosticism to syncretism, and so forth. Every day, new sects are created, and what St. Paul says about human trickery, in the passage we just read from Ephesians, comes true with cunning, which tries to draw those into error. Having a clear faith based on the creed of the church is often labelled today as fundamentalism, whereas relativism, which is letting oneself be tossed and swept along by every wind of teaching, looks like the only attitude acceptable to today's standards. We are moving towards a dictatorship of relativism, which does not recognise anything as certain and which has as its highest goal 
one's own ego and one's own desires. However, we have a different goal. The Son of God, true man. He is the measure of true humanism. Being an adult means having a faith which does not follow the ways of today's fashion or the latest novelties. A faith which is deeply rooted in friendship with Christ is adult and mature. It is this friendship which opens us up to all that is good and gives us the knowledge to judge true from false and deceit from truth. He goes on to talk about when speaking to World Youth Day. In the last century, century we experienced revolutions with a common program expecting more, nothing from God. They assumed total responsibility for the cause of the world in order to change it. And this, as we saw, meant that a human partial point of view or opinion was taken as an absolute guiding principle. Absolutizing what is not absolute but relative is called totalitarianism. It does not liberate man but takes away his dignity and enslaves him. It is not ideologies that save the world but only a return to the living God, our creator, the guarantor of our freedom, the guarantor of what is really good and true. Very wise words and speaking into the big struggle that we have in our culture today about truth and about the idea that there is absolute truth. We're confident in our God and the absolute truth that is in that is intrinsic to his nature and described to us in his word. Well, perhaps we're concerned as well as we think about this issue of how to share Jesus with our non-heterosexual friend with the potential lifestyle changes that might have to come the way of our friend if they should respond to our sharing and accept Jesus. Are we asking too much of our friends? Let me take a moment to be very clear here. I hold the view, as do the ministers and elders here at Door of Hope, that God's plan is for sexual relationships between people to occur exclusively within marriage, within the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. Sexual relationships outside of this relationship, heterosexual uh, relationships or homosexual relationships, are not approved of in the Bible. And so this poses a problem if we're sharing Jesus with a heterosexual couple living together or, or maybe somebody who's having um, regular uh, sexual activity with others outside of marriage or maybe a homosexual couple, if we're talking to them. If people in this situation accept our sharing and decide to believe and accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, then I believe the grace of Christ will be needed as they grow and as they work out how to be conformed to the image of Christ. But this is not unique. This is not unique to this particular circumstance. Every single one of us before becoming a Christian, we're living in a situation where there were influences in our lives. There are many people today sitting in this room, um, some of them struggling with um, 
issues to do with their um, body identity, some of the most painful issues um, in that area uh, are to do with weight and appearance and um, uh, whether people are going to um, appreciate me. There are people struggling among us with um, issues to do with same-sex attraction. There are people struggling um, among us with um, issues to do with abuse uh, in their childhood. There are people struggling with substance abuse and addictions. There are people struggling simply with pride, an all-pervasive idea that is common to the human condition. And, and God speaks about these things and says, when you become a Christian, we get to have the Holy Spirit living in us, which helps us move forward and over time to become conformed to the likeness of Christ so that we would honour God with our living more and more as an expression of our loving back to him because he first loved us. Is it easy? Absolutely not. It's hard. And my heart goes out to friends who struggle with all kinds of issues in their life. Um, I'm grateful for the people who've mentored, encouraged and supported me in the struggles that I've had in my life. Um, to try to honour God more, to try to align my life more with what he wants for me. There is a cost to becoming a follower of Jesus. While I've spoken a lot today about the wonders and joy and peace and uh, forgiveness that comes as a consequence of this relationship, there is a cost in being a brother and sister of Jesus, in accepting Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And Jesus speaks about this extensively in Luke chapter 14. I haven't got time to dig into that today. I just want to draw it to your attention if you want to read that passage in Luke 14. It's pretty confronting. In there, he actually, cons uh, in detail, considerable detail, encourages everyone to count the cost of following him. Now, every single one of us who choose to follow Jesus and be his disciple um, needs the loving support of our brothers and sisters in the church as we all work together to grow to be more like Christ. Well, if you turned up at the Leadership Summit, um, the next point I want to make is um, an interesting one. I, I've sort of uh, been thinking about this for a long time before I saw the Leadership Summit, but... Um, we learnt at the summit from one of the speakers that um, fear of rejection is a pretty powerful force. And one of the things that um, we need to consider, I suppose, that could be behind the question of how do I share Jesus, how can I share Jesus with my non-heterosexual friend, would be a fear of rejection. Well, we learned at the summit that rejection is a numbers game. In other words, if you keep asking Often enough, eventually, somebody's going to say yes to your request. And it's more to do with the opinion of the person that we are rejected by than the reasonableness or unreasonableness of our ask. And by the way, it's worth noting that Jesus was rejected, particularly by the religious and cultural leaders of his day. And if we try to be like him, it's likely we'll be rejected as well. Next point I want to make is that perhaps one of our concerns is we wouldn't want to add to the weight 
of historic discrimination that our friends have struggled with. There is absolutely no doubt that non-heterosexual people have suffered marked discrimination, abuse and ostracisation throughout history. It's tragic. We serve the Jesus who deliberately chose to associate with minorities, the poor and those who were the subject of hate and abuse. Far be it from us that through misplaced kindness we would fail to invite our friends into community where they can hear of the boundless love of the grace of Jesus. We have to reject that idea. Yes, our friends have been discriminated about uh, over the years. They need our love. Well, we might fear um, being the subject of public attack. And it is absolutely true that holding a faith that is different to public or official opinion may result in public attack, and this is particularly so in a social media world. And as we've discussed already today, in a relativistic culture. So what do we do with our fears? And I'm gonna let the Bible um, speak directly to this. We're gonna read this passage together in 1 John um, chapter four. And it'll be up on the screen as I read it along. It's a fairly lengthy passage, but hang with me. 1 John 4, 7 through to 18. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. There is no fear in love, perfect fear drives out love. So in conclusion, we see that our non-heterosexual friends need us to love them so much that we will look and pray and seek after opportunities to share Jesus with them, despite the fact 
Derek feels harder. You know, sharing the good news of Jesus has always been simple in terms of the news we have to share. But it's always been hard. Hard for people to grasp. And there's always been a cost. And that cost is about turning away from our own, our own lives and um, having control of our own lives and turning to Jesus. Thanks. Amen.